Now, tonight, just because there are no pictures here doesn't mean that if we don't take our time and if we will read and meditate on the Word of God, we can still see the things that God's trying to show us. Now, almost this entire year, we've been in the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations is very distinct. It's very illustrative. As we read the book of Lamentations, we see in great detail what happens to a nation, to a people, to our homes, to our families, to our hearts when we rebel against God. And that's what we're seeing. And the picture has been painted so vividly. Now, folks, I honestly believe tonight, if we would just read the Word of God and try to see what God's trying to show us, the picture that He paints in Scripture would be worth a thousand sermons if we just tried to see what God's trying to show us. As a matter of fact, I looked it up this afternoon. Over 1,300 times in Scripture do you find the word behold. Do you know what that word behold means? When God says behold something, the first mention is in the Garden of Eden. He says, behold, I've given you all these things that I created. He says, hey, I want you to see what I'm saying. Okay, God doesn't just want us to read the Word of God. He wants us to see what he's trying to show us. And oh, how we could save ourselves some trouble if we just learned to see what God was trying to show us in his Word. I'll give you a prime example, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 20. I want you to listen to this verse. It's one of the greatest examples of a visual illustration, and God gives us the example in verse 20 of Romans 1. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. Now watch this. God says that the creation itself, the world that we're living in, you get outside, look at the trees, the sky, when you get a chance to go to the mountains, you get a chance to go to the beach, you see all of that creation. And God says that creation is a sufficient enough illustration to show you what you need to know about the eternal power and Godhead of our Lord. Now you think about that this morning. God says that creation itself is a clear enough illustration of the power of God and his eternal Godhead. It's so clear of an illustration that that alone could tell us about him, that if we reject him, we're without excuse. Now you think about that tonight. It's such a sufficient illustration. God says, you're without excuse. Now, why is that? It's because God is a loving Heavenly Father, and He wants things to be clear to us. Aren't you glad? Have you ever talked to people that were smarter than you? Amen, amen. That was a test right there to see how prideful you were. If you said no, it just means you're full of pride, okay? Have you ever talked to somebody who is smarter than you? I do it all the time. Me and Miley have great conversations together at our house. Some of you will get that later. You talk to somebody and you're thinking to yourself, man, we're on a different planet, you know? English teachers are like that, you know? How on earth could you take a sentence and you start diagramming and graphing a sentence? Or maybe it's algebra you have trouble with where you're adding and multiplying letters and numbers together and you get into deep water and you're drowning. Why? I don't get that. I don't grasp that. Now, folks, can I tell you something about God? God wants himself to be made clear. He made and showed off his power and Godhead in the very creation that we're living in. God says, I want you to see me in creation. I don't want to be foreign and void to you. I want you to see things clearly. Here's our problem. So oftentimes, lost and saved alike, we're too busy to see what God's trying to show us. 
Now, we read the book of Lamentations. The people that we're reading about here were too busy, too tied up in their own life and their own desires to see what God was trying to show them, and now they're living it in real time. Now, folks, if we're too busy to see the things God's trying to show us, we're going to have to live them out. In Lamentations, they're living out what they refuse to see. Oftentimes, the things of God are not big enough. It's not that big of a deal in our life to be faithful to the house of God. It's not that big of a deal to stay in the word of God. It's not that big a deal to walk with God. And we don't see what God's trying to show us. And then we get to the end of Lamentations. And then everything becomes clear. Now notice, if you will, we're going to jump into this. Notice, if you will, what's happening. The Bible says, for this our heart is faint. For these things our eyes are dim. Do you know what's happening? The picture's becoming clear. What God was trying to show them. God sent them prophet after prophet after prophet. He says, look, I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to show you what will happen if you don't get the message. They didn't have time for God. It wasn't that big a deal to listen to God. They were preoccupied with other things at the time. They didn't have time to see it then. But guess what? They're seeing it now. It says, for this, our eyes are dim. Here's the sad truth tonight. Oftentimes, we don't get serious about seeing what God is trying to show us until it's too late. Is that what's happening here? They're not serious about seeing the full destruction of rebelling against God until ultimately it's too late. Now, this is a sad truth for them that we're going to live if we don't see what God's trying to show us. Now, there's two things tonight that I'll excite you a little bit. There are two things that they finally see that God wished they had seen earlier that we're going to look at in verse number 18 and verse number 19. This final Wednesday night lesson is going to be entitled, The Lesson to the Looking. The Lesson to the Looking. Do you know if you're willing to get in this book and look at what God's trying to show you, you can learn a lot of valuable lessons without having to live them? If you'll just get in here and see what God's trying to show you, you will learn a lot of lessons that you won't have to live. The problem is this. We wait until it's too late to look up and see what God was trying to show us. Now, let's see what these two lessons are tonight, and I really do believe they're going to help us. The Bible says in verse 17, for this our heart is faint, for these things our eyes are dim. Verse 18, here's the first thing. Because of the mountain of Zion, which is desolate, the foxes walk upon it. Now here's what's amazing. God sent them preacher after preacher after preacher to show them where they were headed. They refused to acknowledge it. Okay? God is loving. God is long-suffering. God is merciful. And God shows us, thank God for the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit tries to show us where we are heading before we get there. But oftentimes we're too busy, aren't we? Life is busy, we all have a lot of things going on, and we don't have time to see what God's trying to show us. And then finally, we get to the place where everything falls apart, and we're forced to acknowledge what God was trying to show us all along. Now, what was God trying to show them? Well, verse 18 says, the Mount of Zion, Mount Zion is desolate, and the foxes are walking upon it. Number one, watch this. Notice the first thing they saw. They saw what was ruined. They saw what was ruined. This morning or this afternoon, this evening, whatever time of the day it is, it all runs together. COVID, can we still blame that? All right. The government's still blaming everything on COVID. I'm going to blame it on COVID too. This evening, folks, understand this. God tried to show them what they're looking at long before they ever saw it. 
God tried to get them to look and to see where they were headed before they ever got there. But they refused to look upon what God was trying to show them until finally they reached the place where what was prophetic is now being lived out right before their eyes. Now, folks, look closely what the Bible says is being ruined. Because the Mount of Zion. Now, this language is very important. Notice what their concern is. They're not talking about the stores that are destroyed. They're not talking about their homes that are lost. They're not talking about their wealth that is gone. Notice what their focus is. Mount Zion is desolate. desolate. The location of the temple, the place, the spiritual centerpiece of the city. Now, here's the irony. You've got to see this. They have finally reached the place where they've decided they're going to start thinking spiritual. They're finally concerned about what God was trying to get them to be concerned about all along, which was the spiritual state of their country. Now, folks, here's the sad truth tonight. Oftentimes, we end up living a life of ruin and living in the midst of ruin because God's first priority in our life becomes our last resort. Now, let that sink in, if you will. Oftentimes, we end up living in ruin as they're living in ruin because God's first priority for our life becomes our last resort. Here's what's sad. It took them to chapter 5, verse number 18, before they finally acknowledged the spiritual failures that they had. Notice what they're saying. Mount Zion, the mountain of Zion, it is desolate. Folks, do you know why our nation is sitting in ruin? Do you know why so many marriages sit in ruin tonight? So many homes sit in ruin. So many young people sit in ruin. So many churches sit in ruin tonight. It's because God's first priority has become our last resort. We've refused to acknowledge God and his place. We refuse to acknowledge the spiritual, seeking him first and his righteousness, and we have to lose all these things before we finally realize that's what it was all about to begin with. Now, folks, if we don't get this tonight, we're destined to repeat it. We're neglecting the one thing that matters. And so here's what God does. He takes away everything else and leaves the one thing that matters. And the one thing that matters was their worship to Almighty God. I'll give you a prime example. Luke chapter 14, we have the parable of the Great Supper. It's one of my favorites because it talks about Great Supper. And I enjoy uh, Great Supper. Now, when we read Luke chapter number 14, there was something wonderful prepared for them. What does the Bible say? When they went out and began inviting people, what did they say? One guy comes back and he says, I've bought a piece of ground. One guy says, I've bought some oxen and I must go prove them. One guy says, I have married a wife, all right? I've got I've to go to my wife. And so they declined the invitation. Now, what happened after that? Hang, hang in here and hear this tonight. They didn't have time to come see what was prepared for them. And the master of the house says, none shall taste. None shall taste. None of those that were bidden or invited to be a part, those that have neglected the invitation, none of them are going to taste. Now, what does that mean? It means they missed out on it. Now, you got to hear this, okay? Is land important? Yeah, absolutely. Was the oxen important? Absolutely. Was the wife important? Absolutely. He didn't say they were not legitimate concerns, but here's what happened. When you read verse 18, the Bible says, with one consent, they began to make excuse. They began to make excuse. 
Now, we've got to see this tonight. I know we have jobs we have to do. We have families we have to tend to. Uh, we have bills that we have to pay. We have commitments that we have to keep. But where we mess up and where we have messed up is when we use those things as an excuse to dethrone God from his rightful place in our life. The Bible says they began to make excuse. You know, I was talking with someone the other day about COVID. I, I hope we're past the majority of this stuff and the worst of it. I don't know. Who really knows but God? Amen. But I'm afraid tonight that all over America, we have a lot of homes and a lot of families that are using that as an excuse not to be faithful to God. Can I just be honest and say that? Is it a real concern? Absolutely. But man, we've been going for 2020, 2021, we're about to go into 2022, and slowly but surely we're allowing excuses to keep us from being faithful to God. Now you say, man, you're just being mean and insensitive. No, I understand. Some folks need to stay away, but I believe wholeheartedly tonight there's a lot of men and women who claim to be children of God who've allowed all of what we're going through to become an excuse to keep them from being faithful to God. Now, folks, I say that because I love you. I say that because I love our church. Why? Because if we allow something to take the place of the main thing, which is honoring and glorifying God, look, there's something wrong tonight when we can go to Walmart and we can go to Dollar General and we can go to work and we can go on vacation, but for some odd reason, we can't go to church. We're using that to make an excuse. They say, well, you're just being mean and insensitive. No, it's because I love our church and I love our people that I don't want you to allow something to come as an excuse between where God's supposed to be in your life because Lamentations is all about what happens when you get your eyes off the main thing and get focused and satisfied with an excuse for God. They're showing you what happens. The Bible's simple. It says Mount Zion, what really mattered has been neglected and derailed. And I'm afraid by the time many Christians in this country look up, it's going to be too late. God says, I'm trying to show you something. They finally looked up and says, oh, look, the temple's destroyed. The church is destroyed. We've neglected that. But look what's happened in the meantime. A lot of, a lot of water's gone under that bridge. Uh, a while back, uh, a few days ago, I mean, we were on our way to, to uh, the airport, and uh, in my car, there's a little sensor, and it shows our little car on a digital screen, and it shows all of our tires, and it started flashing the front left tire. It said 14 pounds of pressure. I thought, oh my goodness, we're in trouble. I pulled over to the side of I-20, get out of the car, walk over there, and I kicked the tire, and the, and the tire's great. There's nothing wrong with it. I beat on the tire and said, man, I guess it's just a bad sensor. Get back in the car, we're going down I-20. It goes from 14 to 13 to 12 to 11. And I told my wife, I says, it's just a bad sensor. You know, these smart cars, it's not a good mix to have a smart car and a dumb guy, you know? So I said, look, this car is just smarter than I am because I look at the tire and the tire doesn't look like it's flat, but it tells me it only has nine pounds of pressure left. And we just kept going and we just kept going and I just ignored it. Why? Because, you know, it's nothing serious. It went down five four, three. It was, like a, it was like a time bomb about to go off, three. I'm like, no, baby, there's air. And my wife says, are you sure? I said, I'm sure, honey. You know, I, I mean, I've changed a few tires in my life. All of a sudden, <laughs> my wife looks over at me <laughs> in a submissive way. Some of you were thinking my wife is being rude. No, she just looks over at me. And it was not the front left. It was the back right. And when they changed our tires, evidently there's a sensor in there or something, and they didn't recalibrate the sensors. 
So the back right was losing air. And to be honest, like a dummy, I didn't go back and check the other ones. I just checked the one. I just thought to myself, you know what? It's no big deal, and I'm just going to ignore it. And by the time I really took it serious, it was too late. And I'm sitting on the side of the I-20 changing a tire and, and putting a donut on my car, you know? It just makes your car look bad when you're riding on a donut, you know? This is America. Why don't we put a full-size spare in the trunk? That's another sermon for another day. We rolled up into my in-law's house. Riding, it's almost embarrassing to ride up on a donut, you know? Is that all you could afford for my daughter was a donut tire? And Oh, it's the in-law. So I parked to where the two good tires were facing the house and the donut was facing the woods. But folks, can I tell you something? It was just a tire. I had just bought that tire a few weeks ago, $200. And by the time I got out to acknowledge what was really wrong, that $200 tire was chewed to pieces. Why? I thought I could neglect it. I thought it was okay. I thought I had it figured out. It's not a tire. It's just a sensor. Come on, babe. I'm a man. I know everything, right? By the time I was willing to acknowledge something was really wrong, the tire was ruined. It was ruined. Now, folks, look, you can afford to lose a tire and ride on a donut. It's just going to cost you a little pride, okay? You can afford to lose a tire, but you can't afford to lose your home. And you can't afford to lose this church. And we can't afford to lose this country. But we're going to lose it tonight. Why? Because we're going to wait until we get to the end of the road, chapter 5, verse 18, before we finally acknowledge that we have abandoned God spiritually. Now, folks, look, our economic problems are spiritual problems. Uh, every once in a while, somebody will come to the office for counseling. And I'm thankful folks come for counseling. And sometimes it's financial. We're having trouble financially. And I think everybody probably has trouble financially sometimes. Do you know one of the first questions I ask them? Not to be mean, but to help them. Are you right with God? I asked them that. I'm having trouble paying this. I'm having trouble with that. I'm having trouble buying food. I said, look, I'm not rubbing this in, but are you right with God? They say, why? I say, well, as a child of God, God promises to take care of us. God's not going to let his children go hungry. And if all of a sudden the supply chain has been interrupted, we need to make sure the relationship hasn't been interrupted. You see, oftentimes, our economic problems are spiritual problems. Matter of fact, let me give you an example. The Bible says in the book of Haggai, chapter 6, verse 1, listen to this. You have sown much. It means you work hard and you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put in a bag with holes. I've had people sit in my office who almost stated those words verbatim. But you know we're working hard. Working overtime, extra hours, and it seems like we're putting our money into a bag that's got holes in it. It just seems like we can't get ahead. And I ask them kindly, but compassionately, are you right with God? Why? Do you know what the book of Haggai chapter 6 is all talking about? Go back up and read the verses ahead of that. It says, your house is all fine and your house is taken care of, but my house lieth waste. He says, you've neglected me. And the reason you can't get ahead financially, economically, socially, nationally, all of those things are tied back to your relationship with God. And God says, you fix your relationship with me, and God will sew up that hole in the bottom of the bag that you're putting the money in. Folks, understand this tonight. God says, they finally looked up in verse 18, 
and they finally are acknowledging what the problem is. Mount Zion is desolate. The place of worship is desolate. You remember in the book of Jonah, I like Jonah because I've run from God before. Jonah chapter 2 verse 4, let me read you this verse. Jonah says, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again to thy holy temple. Notice what Jonah's doing. Jonah says, I'm looking to God. Now that verse sounds great if you only read that verse, but you've got to realize where he's at. Jonah's in a tough spot. He's been swallowed by a whale. Jonah has finally got all the way to chapter 5 and says, God, I'm ready to look now. I'm ready to look. Do you know when he was ready to look? When things were ruined. Here's what's sad tonight. Oftentimes we wait until ruin to look back to God. Do you know you don't have to do that? You can look to God before ruin. You can look to God in your home before your home ends up in disaster. You can look to God in your own heart before your life is ruined. We could look to God again, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. That's what it's all about before everything falls apart. But we're just like these folks here. We wait until everything else is gone, and God took all those things away for us to realize it. Psalms 38, 17, I'll hurry. David says this, for I am ready to halt. Wonderful words, aren't they? I'm ready to halt. David says, I'm tired of running from God. Now, I'm thankful for that. But you know what happened between the time he quit looking to God and the time he decided to look for God? A lot of people died. He lost a child. He murdered a man. He ruined his testimony. He waited too late to look. He waited until he was in ruin to look. He waited until he had ruined his testimony and give the enemies of God great opportunities to blaspheme. Yeah, it's great he's looking to God now, but he waited until he was ruined. Now, folks, God has given us the book of Lamentations to help us look up before we get to the ruin. God says, look what they did. Finally, I mean, do you realize, look, at, look, at, look where we are. There's only 22 verses in Lamentations. We're almost done. And yet it took them all of that to finally look and say, Zion is desolate. That was the root of our problem. So number one, what did they see when they finally looked up? Well, they see what is ruined. But notice the second thing. And the second thing is important. Verse 18, because of the mountain of Zion, which is desolate, the foxes walk upon it. They said, all of this has been ruined. But wait a minute, verse 19. Thou, O Lord remainest forever thy throne from generation to generation so watch by the time they finally looked up they didn't have time to see what God tried to show them God sent preacher after preacher after preacher after preacher to show them this is where you're headed and they finally looked up when they got there and when they look up everything is ruined but watch this verse 19 says thou O Lord remainest there was one thing that didn't change you know what it was It was God. God had not changed. The second lesson to those that are looking is this. I want you to look at what remained. Look at what remained in verse 19. When they reached the end of the road, and they are at the end of the road, when they reached the end of the road, do you know who was waiting on them? The one they had been running from. Now, isn't that a sad irony? That they would run from God lose everything only to end up finally acknowledging God. Do you know what we're doing when we run from God? We're refusing to acknowledge him. 
God, I don't want to do things your way right now. Hey, I'm a teenager. Hey, I want to do things my way. You know, I've heard so many stories about sowing wild oats. I want to sow my wild oats and go do what I want. It's refusing to acknowledge God. I don't want to acknowledge you right now. I don't want to see what you're trying to show me. But here's the sad thing, and there's a bunch of grown-ups tonight. I think we'd all attest to it. You will finally come to a place where you acknowledge the one that you ran from from so long. And they're finally saying, God, you took everything away. Everything is ruined. But guess what? The one we tried to run from is still there. Now, here's what's sad. Why do we not acknowledge God and look to him? We're too busy with our possessions, aren't we? We have too many toys, fun stuff. Folks, I like possessions and I like toys too. But you better never let them be an excuse and take God's place in your life. Or maybe it's the pleasure that we have tonight. Or maybe we have personal pursuits in our life, things we want to do, places we want to go. But after all of that was gone, guess what? God was still there. God is still there. And God's going to be there for you and I just the same. If we could pull one valuable lesson out of Lamentations tonight, it would simply be this. You can't run from God. You can't run from God. I know people tonight that we say are running from God. And uh, that's illustrated by the fact they run from the preacher, okay? I'm not God. I just work for him, you know? And I go to see him because I work for him and I represent him. And he says, hey, I want you to go see so-and-so and try to help restore them. And they see me coming. I mean, you would think I still had COVID. I try to tell them, I don't. I don't. I'm good. I got, you know, I'm tested. I'm negative. We're good and all. They still run from me. But you know who they're really running from? They're running from God. Now, I want you to think about this tonight. How foolish is it to think that we can run from God? Do you remember the song we sang when we were kids? He's got the whole world in his hand. I'm not going to sing it for you tonight because you've been a good audience, so I'm not going to scare you off that way. He does have the whole world in his hand. The Bible says the earth is his footstool. So get an idea about how big God is, okay? And here we are on planet earth, and we're running from them. And God goes, I'm still here. He said, well, I'm going to go all the way to Africa. Yeah, talk to Jonah about that. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to run from God, and I'm going to get out of God's sight. Now, the first thing, look, if you're ever going to run from God, don't get on a boat. This seems like a bad plan. I wouldn't get on a boat or an airplane if I'm running from God. But, you know, if you're running from God, you're not too smart to begin with anyway, okay? So I'm not surprised he got on a boat. Jonah says, I'm going to run from God. And God goes, peekaboo, I'm still here. God was still there. All right? Now we're laughing because we're guilty. We think for some odd reason that we're going to run hard and far enough that we're going to get out of the sight of God. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Go ahead and admit it tonight that at the end of the road, you're going to acknowledge God. Now, why is that important? Well, if you know how you're going to end, it'll change how you're living right now. If you know that even though you're running right now, you're going to acknowledge him, and that's what they're doing. Notice verse 18, everything is desolate. Thou, O Lord, remainest. You know, regardless of where you go or what you do, be assured there's going to come a day. You're going to acknowledge the one you're running from. You're going to acknowledge the one you're running from. So if we know that tonight, here's the lesson. Look, here's the lesson for the looking. God says, look up now, look up now. Why? Because you're going to look up one day and everything's going to be desolate. One of the most heartbreaking things is to have somebody sit in my office and say, what happened to my home? What happened? It's gone. I knew people who've had a happy home serving God, faithful, working in their church, and it's just, it's like a detonation. It blew apart. What happened? Somewhere in the home, somebody quit acknowledging God. 
And when you quit acknowledging God, it only leads to ruin. And one day you look up like lamentations and everything's desolate. Where did it go? What happened to my kids? What happened to my testimony? What happened to my church? What happened was you waited too late to look up. And when you finally looked up, it's all gone. That's why God says, look up now. He said, well, how do you know that? Because he gave us the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations shows you what happens when you wait too late to see what God's trying to show you. He sent preacher after preacher, prophet after prophet to try to show them where they were headed, but they didn't have time for that. They were too busy with their possessions. They were too busy with their personal pursuits. They were too busy in their pride. God, I don't have time for that right now. I don't know how many people I've talked to that have gotten out of church because of COVID, and that's the exact reason they're out of church, COVID. And they say, you know what? I will, but COVID has set me back. I've just got too much to do right now. I don't have time to be at church. You know what they're saying? I can't look up right now. What I try to beg them to do is you better look up now because you're going to hate it when you look up later. You wait too late to look up. You're going to look up when everything's desolate and everything is ruined. And after all those things that you use as an excuse not to honor God, they're gone. And guess who you're left looking at? Verse 19, thou, O Lord, remainest. You can run like Jonah, but guess what? He's still there. You're still going to face him. You're still going to acknowledge him. You can hide like Adam and Eve, but he's still there. You remember when you were a kid? I can because it wasn't very long ago. Even though I'm losing my hair, okay? You remember a kid, you play hide and go seek? And you would literally go stand in the corner and cover your eyes. You know, and they come and they find, I found you, and you have your hand over your eyes, and then, uh-uh. <laughs> and you think because they're out of your sight, it's out of their mind. That's not true, is it? You think, you know what, just because I'm running from God and I'm not acknowledging God, God's going to forget about me. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's faithful and he is just. And there will come a day when everything you use as an excuse is gone. What does he say? Everything's desolate. Thou, O Lord, remainest. I saw a t-shirt years ago. It was a Marine sniper t-shirt. The t-shirt alone made me want to go join the Marines. It was such a bad t-shirt. It had a Marine sniper on there with his gun. It says, don't run, you'll just die tired. <laughs> when you come up with a preacher shirt like this, cool like that, you know, an amazing shirt. Don't run, you'll just die tired. But boy, you could bring that into Christian life, couldn't you? Don't run. You'll just die tired. He's going to catch you. You will acknowledge him. There will come a day everything else is dead. Every excuse we have right now for not serving God. My job, COVID, whatever it is, is an excuse for not doing what God knows we're supposed to be doing and God showed us what we're supposed to be doing. Every excuse is desolate. And you'll come to a place and you'll say, Thou, O Lord, remainest. He's still there. He's still there. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of the things in heaven and the things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You notice that word there, every knee. Every knee. I believe when God says every, he means every. I'm thankful that he says whosoever, it means all of us, Right? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm thankful for that. But I also believe he means what he says here when he says that every knee should bow. 
What does that mean? There's going to come a time where we all acknowledge God. So what's the point in this lesson tonight? Well, here it is. Go ahead and choose to be on the winning side without having to go and be on the losing side. Do you know what the story of a lot of Christians is tonight? I'm not picking on anybody, all right? The story of so many Christians tonight is we had to go to the losing side before realizing we needed to be on the winning side. I'm talking about after we got saved. We get saved, and for some reason, we all have to run from God for a while, and then finally, we decide, I want to be on the winning side. God says, why don't you read about some people who chose to be on the losing side and then realize they were on the wrong side and joined the winning side? Why don't you learn from them? He said, you know what? I choose to be on the winning side tonight without having to go to the losing side. So what's the lesson? The lesson is simply this. This is the lesson to those that are looking. One day, we're all going to look up, and we're all going to acknowledge God. I pray tonight that God doesn't have to take everything away. Whatever your excuse is tonight for not acknowledging God, does God have to make it desolate? Does God have to take your job and make it desolate before you finally say, Thou, O Lord, remainest? Does God have to take our pastimes and our hobbies? Does God have to take everything away and make it desolate before we finally acknowledge that we should have been focused on him all along? God said there's a lesson tonight for all of us. It's the lesson of what is ruined and the lesson of what remains. And in the end, we're going to stand before Almighty God. And so knowing that, why don't we decide tonight, you know what? I've decided I'm going to go ahead and get on the winning side. That way when I get to the end of the road, I'm already where I'm supposed to be. Amen? Heads are bowed, eyes are